Facebook is one of the biggest and most effective marketing platform on the planet. It's huge. Almost everyone you know is on Facebook and quite a number of brands and businesses are spending millions of dollars to advertise on it, including small startups, mom and pop shops, local restaurants and even churches. You can spend as little as you want and target specific audience you want at a micro level. But the problem is this. Most people have no clue how to run adverts on Facebook. They either double, waste a lot of money or hire someone else to do it for them. So my team put together a short course to help you. It's called Facebook Ads Mastery Program. It's a comprehensive ebook and a video course on how you can launch and manage profitable Facebook ads campaign for your business. And we made it super affordable too. For less than $10, you can have access to this course. Go to www.backchannel.africa forward slash Facebook mastery. If that URL is too long, you can just go to the show notes of this podcast and click on the link and get access to the course. The next African story will be written by Africans. Meet the people using technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship to craft this new narrative. This is Building the Future podcast with your host, Doting, coming up today on Building the Future. Problem and people are the most important thing. Identifying a clear opportunity space, a market opportunity, aka a problem, and then find the right people that we want to be in business with and want to work with to solve that problem. Whether they're subject matter experts that aren't entrepreneurs already and they're just, they're a doctor working in health or they're an engineer working in urban planning or something like that. Africa is the future of the world. This episode is brought to you by Rave. Rave is the easy way for African businesses to collect payments from customers anywhere in the world across multiple online and offline channels. Through Rave, you can accept Visa, Mastercard, Verve, and other debit or credit card payments from customers in over 154 countries. You can also seamlessly accept payment via your bank transfers from customers in the US, South Africa, and Nigeria, as well as via mobile wallet from customers in Kenya and Ghana. If you want to expand your business across the continent and you need a reliable payment solution, I would recommend that you sign up for Rave at rave.flutterwave.com. My guest today is Dustin Winder. He is a managing partner and co-founder at Akili Ventures. Akili is a holding company. One of the things that they do is to connect companies and entrepreneurs in Africa with outside corporate capital and enable them to grow fast and, and give them the right resources that, that they need. And it's a very uh, different and a unique way of doing ventures in Africa. And I'm sure Dustin is going to be talking about that today. I got to know Dustin through lots of connections across the ecosystem in the continent and he's been doing some interesting stuff. We tried to um, arrange this conversation a long time before now and I'm so glad that he's able to find time in his busy schedule to be on the show today. So Dustin, welcome to Building the Future. Uh, Thank you so much, Dustin. 
So tell me more. Let's start with what does Akili Ventures do? Because I know that you're part of another company in New York called yeah, yeah. Pre-I. So tell us yeah. about that and, and what Akili actually does. Yes, Akili started out, honestly, as the exploration by Pre-Hype which is a uh, venture, how's the best way to say a venture incubator out of New York, uh, London, Copenhagen, San Francisco, and other places to explore what would it look like to do business in Africa in the pre-hype model. And what the pre-hype model is, is working with corporates and, and various organizations, but primarily large corporates, to identify problem spaces that are maybe hidden from traditional entrepreneurs or maybe not hidden, but are inaccessible or not as easily accessible, and then work with them to kind of combine corporate resources and entrepreneurial know-how and talent and inspiration to, to solve those problems. And so Akili is a number of things and has been a number of things in its evolution. But I guess the, the number one thing that we are is we're a holding company. And uh, based on the idea that we want to generate capital, both from bringing up capital outside and then using that to generate more capital across different industries, across different opportunities and different markets, and then kind of reinvest that capital in an effort to kind of build a self-sustaining portfolio that overall, you know, supports uh, African startup ecosystems. Um, you know, we, we look primarily in, or we're focused primarily in East Africa, but by no means exclusively. Yeah, that's that's the, the short of it. So Achille is a company that, you generate your own capital, so you make money by selling some products and services, and you use mm-hmm. that money to initially invest in startup directly yourself. Mm-hmm. But now you're bringing mm-hmm. outside capital into that as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. What is yeah. Achilles, and what is Prehype's um, product? Again, a few a few different products, but the core product, just to, to keep this simple, is Prehype is a in, skunk works for hire, innovation for hire. And so they'll go into large uh, corporates around the world and they will identify problems along with the corporate leadership teams that the corporates are, are trying to solve or new market opportunities that maybe they don't know how to approach that would be well approached with a, with a startup mentality or with, you know, building a new, a new business. And then they recruit the entrepreneur and, and build the business uh, with the corporate as kind of the first outside, quote unquote, outside investor on the balance sheet. So with the, the thing that separates Akili is that unlike Prehype, Prehype makes a lot of connections to outside capital and Prehype partners will invest as angels. But unlike Prehype, or I guess in addition to what Prehype does, what we do at Akili is we actually, one of our services, one of our products we sell is venture fund management. And so we, we do bring in outside capital. But then another thing is that we invest out of our own capital into new businesses, early stage startups, and also what we call homegrowns, where we work directly with an entrepreneur that's pre-anything. Uh, he's a subject matter, he or she's a subject matter expert, maybe. And so we invest our own capital and look to generate you know, holdings that we can hold for the long term that will continue generating more capital that we can pour back into the ecosystem and continue just building companies with the idea of being outside capital is unsustainable. You know, well, not unsustainable is the wrong word, but relying on outside capital, maybe it's a better way to say it is unsustainable. And so how can we using outside capital to kind of spark this and generate it? How can we get to a point to where we can create a self uh, sustaining model where we're just constantly working with new entrepreneurs on new problems and, and building new 
companies uh, across verticals. Does that limit the type of businesses that you go into? Because there's some businesses that mm-hmm. uh, generally lend themselves to raising a lot of capital mm-hmm. for them to validate yeah. the business model or to yeah. even be significant. Um, you are more focused on generating capital. I heard you say that a lot. Um, so you get outside capital, but you want to generate capital and then put it back into the business or, or invest it across. But which is a very good thing to do. But does that uh, approach limit you to the type of businesses that you then go into? So they have to be cash generating, quick, easily validated cash generating businesses. No, and that, that no, it doesn't. And that's a good question, though. And and so it, you know, I would chalk all that up to the importance of portfolio construction. And so our thoughts are, you know, a lot of different businesses are not necessarily venture scale or, or don't need to be venture scale. That doesn't mean they're not good businesses. And so what we're saying is we're actually open up to those kind of businesses as well. But in situations where we're, you know, working with an entrepreneur, talking about working with an entrepreneur who has a, a business that is a venture type business, you know, that does need to raise significant capital. We we are also set up and like as I as I said, you know, we we manage venture funds, but also because of our corporate network, we we manage corporate funds as well. And so we're set up to go in um, and make you know that everything from that small twenty-five thousand dollar, we'll say angel, or you could even say kind of in, quote unquote institutional friends and family investment, but then scale up and and kind of facilitate financing all the way up to you know through the early stage, the A, the B, even potentially because of these both you know actual LPs, but then potential LPs in the the corporates that we work with for, for various kinds of projects. And so I would say, no, it doesn't limit us at all, at all. Uh, quite, quite the opposite. It actually opens up a new type of investment that, you know, a venture investor alone would not necessarily be able to make because they're needing, you know, a certain timeline of, of, of liquidity. And we're saying that, no, I mean, we'll look at any kind of business because even if it doesn't provide exit liquidity, if it's a good cash generating business, especially if it can contribute to the ecosystem in a way that, that helps all the other businesses, the other portfolio companies, both ours and others. Um, we we want to be involved just kind of in building good businesses that are solving you know difficult problems. What is the differentiating factor or differentiating aspect of your thesis? Uh, I've always believed mm-hmm. that theses need to be exclusive. Um, mm-hmm. for for it to have conviction because investment is all about conviction really mm-hmm. uh, because nobody knows what business will actually be successful yeah. but you can actually no. go you can have some conviction around a product technology market geography or, or, or certain type of individual so what is distinctive and, and differentiating about your thesis i should clarify when i say all the type of businesses i mean all types of businesses from a revenue perspective we definitely have thematic areas uh, as far as interests that we focus on and those are defined by you know our intellectual curiosity as well as the 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 interests of our, our stakeholders and so some of those areas are you know kind of the future of money or aka fintech you know health and longevity the movement of people and goods you know clean energy things like that uh, so, so we don't look across literally every industry, but we do look across. There's no, there's no business model, I guess, that's, that's out of bounds. And then what I would say as far as our thesis is it's, it's, it's pretty simple, and we don't hear it repeated enough, not to say we're completely original, um, is that problems and, and people are the most important thing. And so I think identifying a clear opportunity space, a market opportunity, a.k.a. a problem, and then the, the, the entrepreneur or the team that is equipped to solve that problem, 
is more important than product at the earliest stages. We've built a lot of products collectively. Our direct Achilles team, as well as the extended pre-hype team over the years, we've built a lot of products. And it's not that building a product is easy by no means. It's not. But it is kind of the, it's the thing that can be learned and can be taught and can be trialed and errored. But what's, you have to have, you know, a clearly defined problem. You have to have kind of the right person to approach that problem before you can ever even consider product. And so that's our thing is, is we go in with an open mind and saying like, we don't, we're not looking for to fill this niche of our portfolio. It's rather, how do we identify a problem, whether with an entrepreneur that's making us aware of it or with a stakeholder or, you know, just our own kind of thoughts, explore that, audit that, see what's happening, and then find the right people that we want to be in business with and want to work with to solve that problem, whether they're subject matter experts that aren't entrepreneurs already and they're just they're a doctor working in health or they're an engineer working in urban planning or something like that or whether they're an established entrepreneur with a startup and it's like how do we get involved and help kind of spur the development of different ideas and different products that are solving these problems okay uh, let's talk about why Achille is in Africa no no you have pre-hype which has been going on in mm -hmm. New York and Europe as well so why Africa and what yeah. is it that is attractive about the region and, and what's the connection to that region for you to decide to bring out a capital and, and yeah. want to invest in African businesses? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So so it's kind of it's it's kind of two pieces. So one, pre-hype, and I should be clear that we spun Achille off. Pre-hype is a stakeholder, but uh, Achille is a business that is focused on Africa solely. But pre-hype is a, is a business that work uh, it work across the world. Literally, I, I don't want to misspeak, but I want to say every continent except Africa until you know until until we did this. And so it was strategically kind of the next obvious place to look for opportunities. Um, but then you know specifically myself, I've been living in and out of East Africa, primarily Kampala, uh, but not exclusively for over a decade now and my my partner as well has done a lot of work in in entrepreneurship for emerging markets and so we had been talking for a while about what would it look like to take the pre-hype model in some form and apply it to different african markets and we didn't know the, the um, we spent our first year honestly just doing a you know what we call in the the, the lingo of, of pre-hype the customer development process of going around the continent and talking to just a lot of people and saying, hey, this is what we do. This is how it works in different contexts. What do you think? Like, how does this apply? And and through that, it's honestly how we came up with our unique model that isn't exactly like free IP, even though we borrow a lot of principles. And then the reason we're interested is one, I just, you know, I have a, a personal connection and affinity of having worked in, in Uganda and Kenya for so long. But then two, when you're looking at venture opportunities, just quite frankly, is that you, you follow trends and demographics and Africa is the future of the world. It's so, you know, as a growth market, as an opportunity space, and, you know, as it's exciting, especially in places like Nairobi and, and Lagos and Cape Town and others as well, obviously Kampala and across the continent, there's exciting things going on, you know. And so we just wanted to kind of be involved in, in whatever way we could, if it was possible, and say, do we have anything to bring to the table? If not, great, we'll figure that out and we'll get out but if so let's let's kind of bring kind of our learnings from building 50 plus companies over the last uh, eight years um and see what we can do where's your outside capital coming from mm -hmm. so our outside capital kind of exists in two buckets uh, you could say is one is we have an angel fund um that is our own capital but we also have raised from other, you know, kind of individuals that are in our network for that. And then the other is corporate. We manage the corporate, we manage corporate capital, basically. And that capital is generally strategically focused. And so it's 
not necessarily in, in some case, I guess in rare cases, it's a quote unquote impact, but it's not impact. Um, but it's also not necessarily seeking a traditional financial return always. It's, it's, it's strategic capital. So it's looking for potential acquisitions or looking for potential product partnerships or looking for potential inroads to, you know, if you're a company that's consumer packaged goods and, and you and you want market data to understand how your products are being bought and sold, getting those kind of partnerships in place. And so our capital comes from corporates that have those kind of strategic interests. One, one of the key challenge of um, corporate venture, and I've always thought about this, is that it's sometimes the misalignment between the motivation and, and the potential expectations between both parties. So between the founders and the startup founders and the, and the corporate mm-hmm. investors. And I know you're in between them and they say that that could be significantly reduced, but it's still there that if the contribution to the startup from the corporate is very small, then the startup becomes insignificant. They just become like another CSR project. So there'll yeah. be less support. And mm-hmm. and if it is a lot, uh, it can potentially limit their growth because it means that they are probably building for one customer mm-hmm. and can lead to some conflict of interest. Or mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah. No, I mean, it, that's that's one of the, the toughest problems. And, and it's on, honestly, I, in my humble opinion, why I think that even though corporate money is, I think, the most obvious money to kind of kickstart the venture environment, the startup environment, it, it hasn't been as frothy as it, it otherwise could have been or should have been, maybe. That being said, kind of our thoughts on it are that, again, by focusing on the problem, we're not looking generally. And I guess I, I, I never like to say never, so I won't say we, would, we will never but we're not generally looking to go source a deal with a company and take it to a you know a corporate LP and get them to finance an SPV or, or some kind of financing mechanism for that single deal in a in a very you know traditional kind of venture investment model. More, we're going in and we're we're learning about the kind of the problem spaces and the market opportunities and doing an audit of what's going on. And that could be, depending on the specific iteration, that could be, you know, just in Kenya, or it could be across East Africa, or it could be Pan-African. But we're doing an audit, we're figuring out what's going on, and then we're going in with the corporate, and we're helping to build kind of a comprehensive strategy and a portfolio and programming up front with the idea of how can we apply the best resources that a large corporate has to offer, not just finances, obviously finances are a huge part, but also IP, also uh, sales channels, also business development and, and partnerships. How can we, we take those things and package them on one side and then on the other side, package up the best entrepreneurs and the best companies and the best problem solvers uh, that are building kind of things in the specific vertical and then work kind of as, inter- I hate the word intermediary, but work as a facilitator to kind of bring what we have to the table, which is experience building startups and trial and error and getting things, you know, testing quickly and getting things out to market and iterating and then kind of bring those together and, and facilitate that relationship in a way that is kind of mutually beneficial. You know, that's, that doesn't always solve the problem. I mean, it certainly is a problem that exists, uh, but we, you know, we kind of take the approach of how do we align incentives in a way that um, allow the most success to happen across a portfolio of, of companies and entrepreneurs. 
there's still the problem of uh, sometimes um, the interest or the or the expectation of the founders might mm-hmm. sometimes just uh, move away from the expectations and the interests of the corporate because startup is a very fast-changing environment, so the company might pivot. In your example, have you had companies where you had to deal with problem that is similar to that, or how do you make sure that the the corporate and the founders and the startup are there on the same lane uh, for a long time? Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 an excellent question. Um, and so, honestly, we haven't faced that yet with Akili. Akili's too young to have kind of gotten to that point. We've only first started kind of deploying any level of capital and, you know, less, 12 months, less than 12 months ago. When it comes to pre-hype, and maybe it is, I was going to say maybe, it certainly is quite different in the fact that, you know, these corporates are coming in in uh, financing environments where a, a, a good startup could raise from any number of investors, and so they don't necessarily put on the need the corporate money. But but yeah, I mean the way we do it is is the one, the corporate with pre hype, whenever we set up a new project, you know, there are terms that are set out very early. And so it's the corporate, you know, for the beginning of the project, it is a project that is not even an independent company. It's something being built and owned by pre hype and the corporate. And then at a certain point it spins out. But the thing is we set up the corporate to be a minority shareholder and they are an investor and they're the first oftentimes the first investor on the balance sheet and they have their strategic interests, but their strategic interests are kind of exercised in the deals that they choose to do. And so I would honestly say that what you're saying is, is, is per- perfectly valid and it may happen. It likely happens more in corporate investment situations, but it's something that could happen in any investor investee relationship. If, if priorities or, or direction of a company shifts, there could be tension with the investor, but that's just part of managing kind of on the investor side, managing your portfolio and helping to guide your entrepreneur. And on the entrepreneur side, it's part of managing your investors. And it's trying to align always on where, which direction are we heading and why? When you put something like impact metrics onto a business and then maybe they find that their target market actually doesn't fit within the impact metrics, that can be a tension. But those are the kinds of things that are kind of contractually enforced. And so we're saying, we're trying to set up opportunities where it's not reliant on contract. Obviously, there are contracts for the shares and things like that. But but the relationship is, again, it's, it's aligned by incentives and it's aligned by strategic interests. True. So what sort of startups have you invested in now? Africa? Um, So I I was talking to, so we have currently three, hopefully, knock on wood, portfolio companies uh, that we are three currently, and we're about to add a fourth is what I mean by that, that we're working with. All of those are stealth. They've all been made in the last six months, and they're all very, I'll be honest, they're all very small checks, 50,000 and below. Um, But our goal is to basically, with all of them, they're extremely early stage, and so we're using that 50,000 as an anchor to kind of get them to a point to then put together their round for them because all of them are seeking kind of large amounts of capital for good reason, but also it would otherwise it would their value, the valuation versus what they're trying to raise, just what makes sense for them or for an investor. Um, So I I can't speak to that exactly, but I will say that they're all in currently in Easter Southern Africa and they're across FinTech, uh, MedTech and logistics, all three of them. So you mentioned that you've been, uh, living in Africa for some time, and mm-hmm. um, you live in Kampala, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure about the uh, the strength of the entrepreneur 
or tech entrepreneurship community in Kampala. But it would be good to get your view on uh, tech entrepreneurship, uh, the entrepreneurship yeah. community in West, in East Africa versus mm-hmm. uh, maybe West Africa, if, you, if you're familiar with that, or even versus uh, New York that uh, you might be more familiar with. Yeah. Um, because I'm trying to understand the motivations and the drives and the unique thing that, that make um, African entrepreneurs different and also tease mm-hmm. out um, perspective and opinions of people that invest in it, into the market and what, what they see and what they observe and what they would like to see happen. To my perspective, the reason, well, let me put it out uh, up front and say the reason I live in Kampala is just because of my relatively long ties to Kampala and I, I enjoy Kampala as a city. I like living in Kampala and my, my job leads me to travel a lot anyway. So Kampala is centrally located for East Africa, which is where I do the most work. And so I choose Kampala. Now to talk to zoom out and talk about East Africa more broadly, I'm, I'm quite bullish. And I think for a number of reasons, I think one is, you know, the obvious that it's a trope, it's become a trope at this point, but, you know, Kenya in many ways, you know, lit, kicked off the, and I'm sure there's going to be people screaming at their, at their phones, as I say this and claiming somewhere else. But Kenya kicked off the, the, the FinTech revolution, the mobile finance revolution. And so it, it's been really interesting to see th- what's being built in Kenya and the ecosystem that has sprouted up and specifically in Nairobi. Um, but you're now starting to see that in, you know, in, in a, a more nascent stage, but certainly in Kampala, in Kigali, in Dar es Salaam. And so what I, what I find exciting is just kind of the opportunity space. Uh, the fact that there are kind of these greenfield opportunities. So for instance, just to give one example is how do you finance healthcare? You know, that's a question that exists in the U.S. as well, but it's kind of, there's a lot of entrenched interests and a lot of, it's, it's not, it's not something that is completely kind of open for carte blanche experimentation. Um, whereas in a place like Tanzania, where, you know, you have a, a company uh, like Jami Africa, um, you can look at how do we finance healthcare across, you know, kind of income and socioeconomic uh, the socioeconomic ladder, and because you know, there's an absence of entrenched players, um, so that's one that's one way or one reason. Another is that you know I, I had this conversation just the other day on Twitter with with someone is this idea of like markets. I don't define. I don't think markets are defined by national borders, or nor should they be. Uh, if you talk about like Uganda is obviously a very small market to start a startup. There are some countries, Rwanda, you know, being one that are very are way smaller. But, you know, if I'm a startup founder in San Francisco, I'm generally, especially a consumer startup founder, I'm generally not building originally for the United States. I'm building for the Bay Area or the Bay Area in New York. And so markets always are constrained early on. And then I would also say is that while problems are different and opportunities are different from country to country and even within countries, depending on where you go, there are at least similarities and and trade synergies and things like that, and that sounds trite, but that allow for you know huge opportunities uh, with growing populations, with talks of trade zones, pan-African trade deals. Who knows if that will ever pan out? And so all of those things kind of come together to to make it an exciting opportunity. And how I would compare it to New York or or London or or the Bay Area is obviously it's it's earlier on. I mean that's goes without saying, but I think that that's exciting. I'm, I mean, I hear a lot of talking, I think I've even heard on, on this podcast before, you know, a lot of people saying they're not wrong that the Silicon Valley, Valley model doesn't work for Africa, but I would go a step further and say that the Silicon Valley model doesn't really work for Silicon Valley. It's just throwing a lot of money and delaying the outcome. And so when markets turn, we'll see how that ends up. And so I think it's exciting because there is, you know, it, it, it is a time for fair valuations. It is a time for 
really kind of exploring different problem spaces and it is a time for kind of experimentation and and, and that's that's what's interesting to me one of the questions that I get a lot and it's often banded around with investors in Africa and also potential LP is the question around exits. Now, you mentioned the reason why you're bullish about Africa and also mentioned the fact that, yeah, um, there should be a different approach to the way things are done in Africa. But at the end of the day investment or venture investment is a business and the, and, and the product we invest in into, into companies you're you're providing cash for equity with the hope that that equity is going to be better valued and it's going to increase in value over time and then create liquidity. Of course, VC as a subset of private equity is a very illiquid security in the first place. Now, it's even more illiquid in, in Africa. And what are you thinking around that? I know you mentioned something around, Father, you don't have to invest only in venture, high growth venture businesses. You can invest in businesses that are generating cash. But at the end of the day, you want to get back your money and you always want to try to beat the public market if possible mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> what are your views around that <laughs> so i have i've kind of different views like depending on kind of which angle or which hat i'm wearing when i talk about it one i think that um so i'll get this one out of the way because it's the quickest and and one that there's we don't really need to talk about as much as you know if you don't necessarily have to get an exit if you are willing to hold an invest. You know, it worked for Berkshire Hathaway, um, and obviously it's worked many other times on much smaller scales. But let's put that one aside because we're talking about venture. Um, what I would say is it's kind of twofold. One is, do I believe in an exit potential? Absolutely. And I think that there, there haven't been any, you know, sizable kind of exciting exits to date. There certainly have been some exits, not to, to put them down by any means but like there hasn't been that one you know huge unicorn exit that's you know 100x money but i think one i'll say i think that's a matter of time and then two i would say the way that we've structured our fund is like how do you in that considering that like that's the challenge how do you attract capital if the capital is looking for exits and there's no proof that there can be an exit well we say how do we align incentives so again we look to find capital that can be patient because its first incentive, its primary incentive, isn't a return of cash on cash. It's a return of strategic value. And so it's a return of potentially acquisition opportunities where, by the way, if a corporate investor comes in and acquires a company five years down the road, that's going to provide liquidity for the other investors. Uh, you know, that goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. But then two, it's how do we align incentives so that a corporate, for instance, as one example, has strategic you know, they put money to work and they're making an investment, but they're, they're realizing that return, not necessarily through financial returns, by all means, we, we seek financial returns, but they're realizing it through strategic value. And so whether that's a portfolio of companies that can make an acquisition bid for, or whether it's data or whether it's, you know, product development. So I think that's, that's kind of what I, what I would say, kind of the short of it is, is that I think liquidity is coming. I, I not, you know, I don't, tell fortune so I, I i'm not going to try to put a year to it but i think it's coming in the the nearest midterm but aside from that it's like right now how do we attract capital and that's by aligning incentives with the play with you know with the the, the board set as a yeah i was in that uh, you raise money deal by deal rather than by a blind pool 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason we do that is, is and by the way, we're theoretically, we just recently, as of uh, about two months ago, started kind of shopping the, I, this idea of, of managed por- portfolio management for kind of outside venture firms that say have a mandate to invest globally, but don't have the expertise to focus on a market. Um, that's not something we're doing now, but that is something that we're looking at. And if we did that, obviously, we would have blind pools. But with our other capital, the reason we do that is because we work with various uh, stakeholders that have, as I just said, strategic interests. And so, you know, if my strategic interests go in this direction and another LP strategic interest going in another direction, they can't really be blind pool because it's not about returning cash. It's first and foremost. It's first and foremost about exploring those strategic directions. And so that's by design. But we do have committed investors that have, you know, have made it clear the amount of money they want to put to work, ideally, and the kinds of directions that they look towards. And so, yeah. That's good. That's good. So what is what is it that you have in store for 2019? What sort of deals should you be expecting from you or activities that we should be looking out for? Yeah. So in 2019, uh, we're we're officially kicking. Well, the one thing I can talk, oh, I can I can mention some things vaguely, but the one thing I can say certainly is we're kicking off um, one of our kind of homegrown businesses, service businesses, Akili Reports, where we do kind of deep dive uh, market research and opportunity mapping for hire with the goal. And I'll be quite frank, uh, with the goal of saying, okay, well, here's the intel. So now, what do you want to do with it? Like, how how do we put money to work and put resources to work? So that's big for 2019. That's one thing that we're working on now. We're about to kick off our first two of those, maybe three, fingers crossed, in the next month. And then aside from that, you know, we're working on a couple of different exciting corporate collaborations. Uh, one, actually, our first with a uh, African, a Pan-African corporate on some programming around, um, in one case, FinTech, and then another one in the in the life sciences. And so... We're really excited to get those kicked off. We think that we're going to generate a lot of new opportunities for other investors as well, because in doing that, we're particularly in the the life sciences side. There's not as much going on, but there are a lot of smart people in universities and and, and such that are working on these problems. So we're saying, how can we bring you to the fold to to start building companies and building products and then turn you into an entrepreneur because you already have the expertise in the in the science side of it. And so those are the two the three things I guess we're focused on in the, you know, first half of this year. Hopefully there's there's more to come, you know. We'll announce these three investments, you know, in the first half as well. Hopefully again, like I said, four. Um, and we'll continue looking at other deals and other opportunities. That's great. I hope 2019 is a big year. Yeah. Great. So, and you're currently now in the U.S. for holiday, but you're going back to Kampala mm-hmm. in a few weeks' time or a few days' time. Yeah, yeah, like a week. In yeah. a week. All right, good. Yeah. I really enjoy having a chat with you about, especially deep diving into what Achille does and, and there's a mm-hmm. unique view that you have there around corporate venture because I've always been a bit skeptical about it uh, sometimes because uh, just like I'm a bit skeptical about impact investment as well in the sense that there could be very narrow view of things and it could and sometimes uh, the, the, the interest of the investor might not be in the same lane or in the same line or uh, with that of the entrepreneur who needs to build business to solve problem and make money so but but you've been, been able to explain how you you're approaching it and i'm sure quite a number of people uh will find that interesting as well so i know you focus now at, at east africa but are you looking at west africa and southern africa as well now yes by all means so what we focused on east africa honestly just out of recognizing our limitations that's kind of where our understanding of markets and relationships and everything exists most strongly but i i take inbound inquiries from from people out of west africa and south africa all the time and there's nothing that would stop us from making an investment or a partnership 
um, in Southern or, or West Africa. It's just proactively when we, when we set out to begin, we wanted to start somewhere where we think we thought we, you know, had some kind of competitive advantage, um, from relationships to knowledge. And like right now, like we're, 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 we have pretty good relationships in Lusaka, Zambia, for instance. And so we kind of, it's Eastern Africa, but it's not East Africa. We're already expanding out, trying to build great relationships in Nigeria, um, South Africa, you know, across the continent. And I would love to, by the way, I, I know I've been a bit vague in some of these, to answer some of these questions, and unfortunately, it's just by design. I would love to, you know, revisit this and have another conversation, hopefully later this year, uh, when I can, specifically speaking to those corporate, you know, kind of opportunities, give real examples that um, I'm free, I can speak more freely about. Um, yeah, I'll look forward I, to that. I share your concerns, and I, I share your concerns and, and, and your, your cautions and trepidations, Um just, I, I think that, you know, we're experimenting like everyone else, but I think that we actually have an approach that can lean towards success and increase the odds. Um, and I, so, yeah, uh, excited to, to see it unfold. Great, great. It's, it's great to have you on the show and really uh, enjoy our conversation. I hope you did enjoy it too. Yeah, I did very much. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Rave. Rave is the easy way for African businesses to collect payments from customers anywhere in the world across multiple online and offline channels. Through Rave, you can accept Visa, MasterCard, Verve, and other debit or credit card payments from customers in over 154 countries. You can also seamlessly accept payment via your bank transfers from customers in the US, South Africa, and Nigeria, as well as via mobile wallet from customers in Kenya and Ghana. If you want to expand your business across the continent and you need a reliable payment solution, I would recommend that you sign up for Rave at rave.flutterwave.com. You've been listening to Building the Future podcast by Dalton. These are the interviews with entrepreneurs that are playing a key part in shaping the African future. And you'll be able to hear all their stories. For more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at thestarter.com. Our revolution will be televised. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. Before you go, I have a favor to ask you, and it will take 30 seconds of your time or less. It will mean a lot to me. If you like this podcast, you can easily let me know by going into iTunes, Teacher, SoundCloud, or wherever you download podcasts and subscribe. You can also go to our website, thestarter.com. That is T H E. S-T-A-R-T-A dot com and sign up for our newsletter. It will be a huge favor to me and it's really simple and easy. If you subscribe now, it will help us a lot. Thanks.